You are listening to Lockdown, a security and technology podcast brought to you by Voxiferi Broadcasting. Subscribe now to this and other Voxiferi shows via your podcast client of choice. listening to Lockdown, recorded live at RSA Conference 2016, brought to you by Red Hat and TheStack.com, recorded live at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. RSA Conference is always full of color. It's always full of charismatic people who have changed the canvas and the whole texture and nature of how we deal with security challenges and especially now emerging cybercrime. Sitting opposite me is the smooth criminal himself, Lance James. Lance, say hi. Hey. You've had a busy week. I have. Okay. Give me a pricey of the stuff that you're up to right now. Oh, actually, uh, Monday I got to do a cyber roast uh, with Lookout and the team with Katie Masaurus and uh, um, and uh, Michael Barrett and a few others. And, and so we got to be on a podium and make fun of the industry itself. Um, kind of poke fun of the advanced persistent marketing that was going on last year and the, the OPM data breaches and how the Department of Secrets in the U.S. can't keep a secret. Um, you know, we got to play a little bit of poke fun of like Snowden and, and uh, uh, different little uh, things, the pew-pew maps, you know. And, well, don't, and don't you get concerned now when you hear the clicks when you pick your phone up? Uh, not really. I assume the only thing I have to worry about in most cases is just, um, you know, things that are behind my closed door with my wife. I mean, other than that... Um, you know, I I don't get the clicks. I think the technology's gotten better than that, actually. So, so talk to me about the re- the flashpoints on now. Oh, uh, so flashpoint is 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 it's focused on it's deep dark web only. We're not like you know trying to do everything. Uh, it's basically built around a proper cyber counterintelligence and set counter terrorist model um, that actually really augments the intelligence, the mature intelligence environment for like the financial uh, industry as well as government mm-hmm. um, uh, here and abroad, like in the US and abroad. So we, we help with like uh, actually UK as well and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our focus is kind of looking at the, the, the we're, we have access to the forums behind the, the, you know, the passwords that basically all these bad guys are looking at, whether they're planning nation-state problems or if they're working on carding and fraud. Um, we kind of get to see their TTPs early because they're planning it, and so we're uh, you know, engaging in that. Also, we you know, look at areas like the new Onion sites that come on, mm-hmm. um, dealing with like ransomware and, and the, the sale of it, or we've seen, like for instance, they might use... Uh, Yahoo Money as a, the wallet, the Yahoo wallet as a merchant uh, system to check the cards. Uh-huh. So we like we notify them uh, like a Yahoo or something, and then they'll go, oh well, that cool, that that helped us, and they can uh, keep an eye on it. Or, so it kind of lets us see the planning. So when you look at threat intelligence today, a lot of people are sending you IOCs, uh-huh. indicators of a compromise, which is after the fact, uh-huh. right? And a lot of people are, you know, that information comes from what what you saw yesterday, literally, uh-huh. right? Uh, and and if, nothing to disinformation sharing, but the problem is a lot of, uh, you know, we're trying to get ahead of the, the, the problem, ahead of the threat. Um, and our work is focused on seeing the planning and looking at where that is. And we even do it down to jihadist type of work as well. We see what they're, you know, they're discussing. And also we have support like 12, 13 different languages. So we have like Farsi, Chinese, you know, Arabic, um, you know, Spanish, all the different markets out there as well, French. Um, and we get to see like kind of a highlight of what's, 
what's going on. It's you know like things like Silk Road when you, mm-hmm. when you, you we're seeing more of those pop out on the Onion sites, the Tor uh, the Tor web browser, and, and and their servers are trying to hide behind those. Um, we did some recent analysis on Tor. Where in our 2015 trends, we saw tour onion sites, new ones, grew 24% from 2014 to 2015. And there was a very interesting anomaly. There was a jump in August of 2015, right after the dark code uh, 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 Carter takedown. Uh, so we saw them jump into adding more onion sites, really, you know, uh, uh, basically probably by an order of one. Um, um, and basically, it's, it's been an interesting thing. It's as much as people talk about the privacy of it, the majority of traffic we're seeing and there is actually, like statistically speaking, is criminal behavior. People who think that the criminal behavior element is guys in their pants sitting in Boise and Idaho... It's not anymore, is it? I mean, these are professional guys. Yeah, they're a business. So it's an ecosystem versus ecosystem. So what we've done at Flashpoint is built an ecosystem to help, uh, you know, our ecosystems, which is our businesses, right? We're trying to conduct businesses, whether we're Uber or we're Yahoo or we're, you know, Netflix or whoever, right? You know, we're all trying to make, you know, platforms that are easy for people to use. Well, the bad guys are also, the professionals, and they're building platforms. Like, as much as you would realize, we, you know, uh, companies use Elasticsearch as a good example, sure. right? Elasticsearch is a good indexing search model, kind of getting like a Google-ish type search search indexing into your environment, right? Well, the carding platforms are using Elasticsearch too. Mm-hmm. So the tech, they're, they're not, they're, we're building platforms, they're building platforms. And so, uh, and there's a supply chain, right? And this morning I actually talked about killing the malware supply yeah, chain yeah, yeah. In, the, in, in, in my panel. And uh, it's really, it is it's an ecosystem uh, that they have. And basically at the top, they have the developers, they have product managers, they sure, have sure, UI. Sure, sure, sure. I even saw the other day on ransomware, someone, the, the guy was advertising saying we would like someone to crypto audit our ransomware to make sure it's secure. Which is insane, isn't it? Yeah. They're, they're taking the same QE that we would take. Yes. I mean, they are take, literally going the same route. It's just competition in a way, yeah. right? You know, and, and the question is, we either have to think about it. Data is the new bacon. Yeah. So they're going after your data. So you got to either make some less bacon or put it in the, put it in the oven while they're no one get it. So. so talk to me about the issues around ransomware. So ransomware is going to be a big problem. And the really biggest, the biggest issue is it is a hard problem to solve because it is... $300 to pay for your data back and into tax corporations. It has a psychological effect that plays into that, which is, um, you know, when you have a CTO or a CSO that gets hit, do they want to say anything or do they just want to pay the $300 back? Is you're going to have to try to figure out if you can get the key back or get your data back, right? Mm-hmm. So it also puts a major impact, as we saw with the health yeah. industry. It puts major impact both on the health and on the image of the company, mm-hmm. but also on the law enforcement side, it's $300, mm-hmm. right? It's not, you know... 50,000 or 100,000 until it becomes as a group and you tackle it as a whole. But you're tackling uh, an entire, you're, you're again attacking a supply chain. Those ransomware groups work with distributors. When we saw, like, for instance, CryptoLocker, CryptoWall, they get distributed through other players. Like, mm-hmm. Zeus came over, was the one for CryptoLocker. We see uh, different botnets that are pushing in that have spam or infected users already pushing the data in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're getting smart because they know if you target the business, the most common tool you use and fast, especially at your RSA, is your email. You're going to click on stuff really quickly yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're not even thinking about it, right? Um, and as much as we train on phishing, th- these things are really hard to spot, you know. Um, so it becomes a very hard battle because it goes uphill really quickly. The, the sophistication of crypto uh, lockers type ransomware is 
using public key encryption, so it's becoming very difficult to you know to, to, to stop because they will encrypt your data, and you're not going to see it back. You know, and we've even seen versions that will go and find your shadow uh, your shadow files, basically the where your other backups are locally, and kill those before they del- uh, encrypt. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to make sure you have offsite backups. You, you're doing this regularly. That's your only really solid defense. I kind of joke though. I, I could see a random ransomware someday hitting IOTs. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, your refrigerator, you know, you have uh, 72 hours to pay or we're going to make your beer get cold, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, in a, in a joking but, but, manner, that yeah, might actually yeah, happen. But, but so. You think about how many IP-connected devices we're going to have, yeah. many of it with commodity flash storage. Right. Okay. This shit is going to happen. Yeah, actually, we are seeing now, actually, some of the stuff we're doing at Flashpoint right now, we're studying, uh, we are seeing groups using IoT networks to DDoS. So their refrigerator is sending out DDoS attacks mm-hmm. to, to major sites. So you have a fridge as part of a botnet. Yeah, we have a fridge as a part of a botnet. There's a DVR that's a part of a botnet, and they're focusing on that. Now, the FTC just came down, I think, on ASIS on a, uh, a, a kind of a thing about securing their IoTs. But, you know, you got to remember, the chips are mostly the same. It's all manufactured. Sure, all Samsung setups. are making most of them. They right. have the problems with their TVs. And a busy box so, yeah, underneath yeah, yeah, yeah. the Linux yeah. busy box. You but know. I think busy box was never designed. It was designed 15 years ago. You right. know, when Bruce parents came up with busy box, he didn't design it for what it's being used for now. Right. No, exactly. Right. I mean, uh, and it was for like mini ITX routers or whatever. Now it's. Yeah. And it's everywhere. And um, people, you know, when it comes to manufacturing, people need to get it out the door when it comes to hardware. You, you don't get it out the door fast enough. It becomes a problem. And to fix that. We've seen how that is even on like Apple and Google phones, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 updates and this and that. It's pretty good, but I mean, um, there's always that that attack surface, and there's always enough devices out there now that sure. there's always something to use, um, and. It's different. Your printer, you know the old days when they'd hack into printers? Well, if it's your toaster and they're in your you're in your network, in your home, that's going into your computer. They're traveling. You know, we talk about laterally going through your network. Sure, you sure, can't sure, even sure. see it. It's not like you have a home sim monitoring your smart yeah, devices, yeah. right, which might be a good business model someday. But um, the next startup. Yes, there's the next startup. But, but, yeah, that becomes very difficult because they're hiding in plain sight. And this time you have no way to monitor it. And the, the user, typical user's... You, you know, a computer, you can see it's going slow, yeah. you know, but what we'll see is we'll see botnets. They'll get in there. They'll break into the, just the default password, sure. right? They'll run a thing, and then it becomes like a worm. Yeah. And then it starts, uh, one, it'll start DDoSing, but it'll also start scanning as well. And so it'll use its IoT to find other ITs, and so it just propagates. And the next thing you know, you have tons of infections. And, and the funniest thing, the technology... It's not complicated. We're talking about old IRC style botnets. I mean, how do you wall garden your fridge and your toaster? Yeah, yeah. And what's your cable company say too? Right? It's all exponentially having all this stuff. But they just BitTorrent. Remember, everybody. You know how many DMCA alerts are you going to get in your your internet cut off because your your refrigerator was downloading and distributing movies? So you're just saying you're going to get takedown notice for TV? (laughs) You can't watch TV anymore. You're done. Your TV's wall garden. That's it, mother. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) So yeah, we've decided to shut it off. Yeah. So seriously. you know what, they'll get up and do something, right? Seriously, I, I, I went out to lunch uh, the other day with a CISO, a very big American bank that I went to high school with, and he says he doesn't do security anymore. He just does governance and compliance. 17 audits this year. He doesn't touch security. Well, he's in it for the money, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to mention those. But seriously, compliance is a big thing. Okay? And it plays a part. There's yeah. nothing wrong with compliance. I think the problem is, just like when you think about a judge... And you think about a law that is created or ruled on. And then you think about law enforcement. There are two parties there that play a part, right? And then you have legislation which creates laws. So, you know, obviously in compliance we have legislation, right? Then we have the actual compliance. So the compliance has to play, but the trick is making sure that compliance enforcement 
you know, is, is something that is iterative throughout the year, right? It is easy to check off boxes, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that, you know, compliance, like I said, it has a play. But without due diligence and the level of working with the enforcers, you know, the, and, and making sure that this is something that builds down as a culture. It's just like when something, you just get used to something being illegal, we just adapt to it and we go, okay, it's illegal. It's not something we do. Or something is legalized, you adapt to it. And it's like, oh, we can do that. You, after a while, you set, those are your known boundaries and your expectations and your rules for your society. The same with your, your environments. We just have to have people to enforce it, make sure it's uh, happening. So The problem I also have sitting opposite Lance is that Lance has been suited and booted working for the likes of Deloitte in the past but guys you can't see this I mean I'm sitting opposite someone who looks like a cross between Frank Sinatra and Keith Urban and uh, you know at the best of times I mean I, it's not that I struggle to take you seriously you, you can be quite terrifying when you go off on one mm. yeah I, I don't know man I just uh, I just uh, I just um, ironically here's the funny thing at Deloitte I never wore a suit once I even had a sign that said... There was something in your contract, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. No suits. Uh, and then we also had on my window, we had free hugs, one per employee per day because it could cause problems. But um, And then now that I'm at Flashpoint, because I have to do you know media stuff and things like that, I actually put on the suit more. But I think it's because I'm not the having suit to. and the waistcoat. It's not required. The suit and the waistcoat. I know, right? So like, It's I don't, a great look. I don't, have to, I don't have to require it. So now I'm like, ha-ha. So, the big you know, daddy. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, I, Deloitte, I'll give Deloitte some props, man. Like some of the most best learning... Uh, uh, moments in my life were at Deloitte uh, through more of the leadership, the people side of this game. Uh, it's you know we, we spend so much on the technology, so much being a hacker, but I'm learning that like managing and working and leading hackers and protecting them from politics and things that go on and that and also translating and stuff. That was some of the most fascinating like learning experiences I've had, and it, I, I take a lot of that with me in the future. And I think it's uh, it's helped me work better with teams in general like when you know when you have hackers like me mm-hmm. and then you have someone who dresses differently and, and may have a different view of the world than I do because they might have a different view on privacy or they may have a view on yeah but know, they all bring skills to the table yeah and they bring the skills but the skills I mean a lot of times remember this is business as mm-hmm. well right so bringing that skills and translating it upward and making sure they're also understood and valued right because a lot of times a lot of people don't understand their skill and what they can do and turning that into value for them that crisscross and communicating that and also making sure that they're protected from the sales guy not pushing them on a deadline that's just impossible because mm-hmm. there's a lot of lack of empathy in our in between those cross ranges mm-hmm. and i think when we step back we got to think about like hey I, I i try to have them step in the shoes of a sales guy and the pressure he's in mm-hmm. and then i got to sit in their shoes and now try to think can you code all that mm-hmm. have you ever done that and like you know trying to get both sides to learn a good compromise it's Kind of like a marriage. <laughs> so. so next time people see you on television, they yeah. should think, well, you know, he's not just a pretty face. Well, not I'm, even a pretty I'm mostly face. a pretty face. I mean, actually, someone yesterday literally said that. It was like a media guy. He's like, you have such a symmetrical face. But uh, no, but um, no, it's, it's not. <laughs> I was like, where did he get those? I think he was just having, uh, he might have been drinking too much. But, uh, um, but basically, it was an odd comment. Um, but um, no, in general, like, you I know. I think he was coming on to you. Could have, been, could have been flattering. You should be flattered. I, I was flattered. I was flattered. Um, you know, but but in reality, though, on you know, it is tough dealing with media. Actually, not on the, especially on the mainstream stuff. The the work I've done with NBC, it's they don't you don't get to say what you always want to say. A lot of it's cut, things like that. You know, and um, I, I prefer the live stuff. But there's still. You know, you have to kind of you're speaking to the general audience, and that's okay. A bit so here's what I think you're doing. I think a lot of the time when you do do media stuff, you're translating. Yeah, you're translating. It is, and and sometimes like in my head, I'm like, oh, there's so much I could say more about this, or there's so much more to it, but you only get a five minute piece, or you get this or that. Um, but it is. I think that in media, you 
I am glad to be there because it isn't about me. It's about making sure that the people, like there is someone to speak out for that that's actually had the ground on the grounds, uh, boots on the ground and done this stuff so that people are getting the right message and the proper information. Lance, it's always a pleasure to sit with you. Thanks very much for making the time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can stream or subscribe to all the shows recorded this week via SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Be sure to catch up on Richard's latest security post at thestack.com. Reporting on all this week's events here at the Moscone.